0: Hi, and welcome back to Marin's Money Talk podcast. This week's stock market has been intense and full of nerves given what's unfolding in Russia and Ukraine. Well, we hope this crisis will soon come to an end, especially after having fought an unseen war with COVID-19 for the past two years. Well, given the uncertainties that lie ahead, the stock markets have become very volatile with investors moving from risky assets to more defensive safe havens. What do we mean by risky assets and defensive assets? You will probably hear conversations like, is it time for me to sell down my stock position? Should I put my money in bonds or hedge it in gold? Should I hold cash instead? Well, in this episode, we will explore the different types of asset classes and how risky they are. For the benefit of beginner investors, I'll briefly explain the terms that will be used in this episode. I'm sure a lot of you would have heard about stocks and sometimes stocks are being known as equities. Well, a stock or an equity refers to a security that describes fractional ownership of a company. You can buy stocks either directly from the company, which is the primary market, or from other shareholders on the stock exchanges, also known as secondary market. There are, in fact, different types of stocks, such as growth stocks, dividend or yield stocks, new issues, and defensive stocks. Stocks are liquid and considered risky assets. World's bonds or fixed income are considered safer or defensive assets. A bond is a loan given by an investor to a borrower. Think about it this way, it's more like an IOU between the borrower and the lender. You would also have heard of REITs or Real Estate Investment Trusts, which are companies that own or finance income producing real estate across a range of property sectors like office spaces, your shopping malls, warehouses and also residentials. Another asset class is infrastructure, where it refers to the basic systems that a country or countries need in order to function properly, such as railways, roads, airports, and energy. Commodities are another asset class, such as gold, oil, and gas. As we have seen in history, gold has been considered as an inflation hedge as its price in USD is variable. Of course, there's one other asset class which we use all the time, and that's cash. It's good to build some cash reserve, but having too much cash in the portfolio can at times make your portfolio a little lazy, is what we call But there are times where having a bit more cash might be a good option for when opportunities arise and we could then buy the dip when stock market it gets a little cheaper. Well, in our last episode, we discussed about why it is important to diversify our investments. So, let me invite my two other guests, John and Andrew, to explain further the riskiness of the different asset classes and how we could use these asset classes to mitigate risks in a market cycle. Hi, John. And hi, Andrew. Hi, me. Good to be back. Hi, welcome back to the Money Talk podcast. It's great to have you both here. So we have discussed about the importance of diversification in our last episode. And I've briefly explained to our listeners what different asset classes are. There has been a lot of discussions, you know, comparing stocks to bonds. What are your thoughts on these asset classes and how risky are these asset classes?
1: That's that's a good question, actually. Uh, so- the the ultimate aim of both instruments is really to grow your money. But the way they they do it and the returns they offer are very different. So when you hear about equity and debt markets, that's typically referring to stocks and bonds respectively. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, Evelyn, um, stocks represent ownership of a company. So holding a stock means you essentially share the ups and downs of the company. There's no 100% 100% guarantee of a positive return from your investment. On the other hand, buying bonds means uh, issuing a debt that must be repaid with interest. So you, you won't have any ownership stake in the company, but you'll enter into a, an agreement uh, that the company uh, must pay fixed interest over time as well as the principal amount at the end of that period to you. So. St- So stocks and bonds, they generate cash in different ways. So now, I mean, now to make money from stocks, you need to sell the company's shares at a higher price than you paid for them in order to generate a profit or capital gain. And then these capital gains can be used as uh, either income or reinvested, uh, but they will definitely be taxed as uh, long-term or short-term capital gains accordingly. So on the other hand, bonds, uh, they generate cash through regular interest, interest payments. So the distribution of these um, payments can vary, but generally speaking, it's uh, every six months until maturity of the bond, or it can be semi-annually, quarterly, or even monthly. And bonds can also be sold on the market for capital gain, uh, though for I, I suspect for many investors uh, who are who are conservative, they, the the predictable fixed income is probably the most attractive aspect of bonds to them. So, therefore, in this context, bonds have a lower risk compared to stocks. uh, But at the same time, they also have limited potential in terms of capital gains.
2: Yeah, all all good points, uh, Andrew. And I'll add that that the bonds are what they call as senior debts, which means that in the event of, uh, of a liquidation, the bondholders' claims will supersede those of the equity holders. This uh, lower perceived risk uh, uh, results in lower yields from bonds as compared to equities, where there is an unlimited upside potential as compared to bonds where the bondholders uh, know exactly what they're getting from their investment. Uh, and I guess there's also another bond type which I think Andrew missed out, which is uh, zero-coupon bonds. Uh, they don't pay any periodic coupons in exchange for a discounted uh, uh, purchase price upfront, and then the bond will be repaid in full immaturity. Uh they are commonly used in structured deposits as a hedging tool.
0: Those are very insightful. And in fact, I actually myself I didn't know quite a lot of the different types of bonds. And now that you guys have explained it so well, I think I know what bond is. That's great. So thank you. Well, um, please pardon my ignorance as well. Right, We spoke briefly about investment styles in our previous episode, like the growth style versus value style. Are there any stocks that are considered less risky than others?
1: Yes, uh, um, they, they are usually called uh, defensive stocks. So, so a defensive stock is uh, a stock that provides uh, consistent dividends and stable earnings, regardless of the state of the overall stock market. So there there is a constant demand for uh, their products. So defensive stocks tend to be um, stable during the various phases of the business cycle. So for example, well-established companies such as General Electric, uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, British Petroleum, they, they are considered as defensive stocks. So in, adi- in addition to strong cash flows, these companies they have stable operations with the ability to uh, sort of withstand weakening economic conditions, and of course they also pay dividends, which can offset the volatility of the stock's price during a market decline.
2: So perhaps in a in a more uh, in a more localized uh, 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 setting. The, the defensive stocks in, in the bosom of Malaysia are typically uh, uh typically say for example telco companies right where the growth is already, already limited uh it's already saturated so stocks like uh like DG or Asiata uh telecom these are uh these are stocks which are actually defensive stocks uh, same as same as well for uh for financial stocks like Maybank CIMB as well these are all. Uh, defensive stocks in the Malaysian context. Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, right, it's a risk-return consideration. Uh, a solid defensive stock will uh, potentially yield lower capital gains compared to a growth stock. And these kind of defensive stocks are, are typically main components of any dividend portfolios due to their predictable payouts without any volatile swings in the stock prices.
0: Awesomeness, this is great. Great information, especially now that the market has um, become such you know, um, volatile and with a lot of uncertainties, it's actually good for our listeners to sort of understand that there are different types of stocks out there and some are ultimately, uh, ultimately riskier than the others. And, you know, um, when there are uncertainties, you might want to perhaps consider the more defensive stocks uh, rather than the riskier ones. And like I mentioned before, given that the current market environment, there are a lot of people who ask, you know, oh, is is it time to actually uh, invest in bonds? Um, And if bonds are actually a good asset class to invest, but we have to be really mindful that there are different types of bonds, like you guys um, explained previously, and some are good in the high inflationary environment, such as the higher yielding bonds, floating rate notes, and hybrids, what some like the investment grade bonds are not so good. And in fact, there are debates surrounding bonds versus cash as well. So should our investors invest in bonds or should they keep cash at this point in time? Now, what are both of your thoughts on, on, on this perhaps? Um, Andrew, would you like to share your thoughts with our listeners?
1: Uh, sure. Thanks, Evelyn. Uh, I I think it all depends on your investment time horizon. I mean, if it's if it's money that you expect to spend, let's say within the next year or even two, um, the answer is easy: cash all the way. You know, cash investments are very short-term debt obligations. They are often insured. So, for example, you know, online savings account and fixed-term deposits. Um, the the yields on all these imbe- investments are generally quite low relative to bonds. Um, But on the other hand, this investment, they promise stability of principle. So you get that the principle, um, you know, no matter what the condition is. So if you're saving for next year's down payment for a car or a property, uh, a cash account is the best place to hold those funds. Um, With such a short spending horizon, right? I mean, not losing money is probably a bigger goal than trying to get a slightly higher return uh, through bonds. So um, having said that, um, if you have funds to invest you know, in a slightly longer time horizon, maybe let's say two to five years, it might be worth looking into bonds. Um, so as rightly mentioned by you, Evelyn, yeah, there are many different types of bonds out there. So it is very important to find one or a combination of them that fit your investment needs. So for example, if, if you live in a politically stable country and your primary aim is to reduce the impact of inflation on your investments, it, it really makes sense to invest in a high yielding government issued bonds rather than holding them as cash.
2: Well, I agree with Andrew, right? The, 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 the composition of how much cash you hold uh, versus the ones that are invested, say, for example, in, in a stable but low-yielding uh, investment vehicle like bonds, uh, it should really depend on your liquidity needs.
0: Awesome. That's great. Thanks. And in fact, I'm a person who loves making sure that I've built a bit of cash reserve because I'm unsure when's the good time to invest. You know when's the lowest in the market <laughs> and I know you guys will probably laugh and be thinking oh well if you know when it is the lowest you probably be bloody rich right now but hey you know I don't have a magic ball and I can't tell and if I could I would be doing my podcast while yachting rather than sitting here doing it in my little apartment well jokes aside do both of you have any tips for our listeners who are trying to identify when's the best time to buy stocks? Andrew, do you have any any tips on that front?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. I think like, you know, like it, like you said, right? If everyone has a uh crystal ball, then life will be much better. Uh, but unfortunately we do not. So we are stuck here. Um, but yeah, so the answer. Uh, to your question, I think really depends on what type of investor you are. Um, for investors who are comfortable with sending their money away and not touching it for an extended period of time, and when I say an extended period of time, it, it means normally more than five years. Um, or in other words, these uh, and these people are long-term investors. The best time to buy stocks is always today. You know, for these investors, the amount of time that their money is invested in a market. Is more important than timing the market. Uh, On the other hand, some investors prefer to you know to realize capital gains in a shorter period of time. So it is important for them to be able to identify the best time to enter and exit the market. And for these investors, the best time for them to buy stocks uh, is slightly more complicated and would normally be you know they they would be guided by some form of technical analysis, uh, which is a tool that is used by investors to forecast the direction of stock prices through the study of past uh, market data. Uh, So ultimately, my tip is, um, figure out what kind of investor you are and your preferred investment time horizon before you decide uh, when uh, you want to buy the stocks.
2: Well, I I say that there's no good time to time the market. Uh, If you're an investor, with very few time, every very little time on your hands to study each stock on the market just to catch the right timing in equities, I uh, say so you can just go with the dollar averaging method, right? That just that means that just invest in a stock or stocks uh in regular intervals and the lows will cancel out the highs eventually. And you'll probably end up with a fewer gray hairs at the end at the end of the day.
0: Those are really good uh advice. Um Andrew and John. Uh, in fact, a lot of people have been thinking. Oh, you know, given that uh, more mm, the market has has been gone has gone on a, a wild swing these days, especially you know we don't actually know how the market would would behave and with the crisis and also the high inflation, with impending rate hikes, all these would have an an impact or implication on the market. It is good to stay invested. And also like what John and Andrew um, advise, would be there's no good time and it is always um, buy today and invest in a a consistent manner. So you won't uh, have to worry about timing the market. Well, there's also uh, one particular asset class that I'd like to revisit before we end today's podcast and that's gold. We Asians, we love gold, especially gold jewelries. Um, So in a way, we have been investing uh, in gold. You know, gold has also been favoured as an inflation hedge up until recently, where we have heard of people likening investing in in Bitcoin to gold as inflation hedges. What are your thoughts, John and Andrew, on, on this and I think exploring this question, it's um, important given that Bitcoin is such a risky asset. John, do you have any oh, thoughts on personally,
2: this? Personally, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, uh, personally, I like diversification, so I have both. Uh, although I don't have Bitcoin per se, I invest in Cordana, which in my opinion is a superior crypto compared to Ethereum, uh, like support for higher TPS or transactions per second. Which is really useful for facilitating uh, transactions on the blockchain, uh, with none of uh, Ethereum's downsides, right? And an interesting piece of trivia: Kodana was actually founded by the by the co-founder of Ethereum, and it is now the seventh major crypto by market cap uh, as of the time of recording this podcast. Uh, it was it was sixth for a long time, and it only recently stood behind Ripple or XRP.
0: That's great. Um, Thanks, John.
2: And uh, Andrew, do you have
1: any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah. So my, my, my first thought is that it, this, this is not an easy question to answer. Um, well, I, I think it boils down to the similarities and differences between gold and Bitcoin. You know, both are similar because they do not pay any interest or dividend if you hold them in their basic form. Uh, and, and since they are not infinitely reproducible, so meaning unlike, unlike paper money where you can you know keep on printing, uh, so the, this uh, aspect protect uh, this this aspect protect uh, Bitcoin and gold against the abuse of you know printing more. However, there are also important differences between both of them. So number one, gold has been around for thousands of years and it's a proven store of value. Uh, Bitcoin is comparatively a new kid on the block and has no history to back it. And number two, gold can be found in a natural physical state. Bitcoin is, well, a just code basically. Uh, For me personally, I think the differences can have a significant impact on the, the reliability of Bitcoin as a tool to protect against inflation. So until Bitcoin is widely accepted as a currency, by uh, governments around the world, the the risk of using it as an inflation hedge is far outweighs its uh, benefits.
0: Thanks guys for the very useful and insightful information. It's a real pleasure to have the both of you sharing your insights with our listeners. I know this is a time where there are a lot of uncertainties out there and the market has become noisier. There is one thing to keep in mind, Investing is a long-term journey or process, whatever you like to call it. So stay focused on your own investment strategy and philosophy. It's important to look beyond the noises and focus on the fundamentals. Meanwhile, if you would like to get more tips about investing, please visit our Quick Arrows blog page at blog.marion.asia. I hope you find this episode useful, and in our next episode, we will explore the different investment vehicles. If you like our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You can now listen to our Money Talk podcast in most major podcast platforms as we are now on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and TuneIn. The links to these platforms can be found in the description of this podcast. Also, if you have yet to sign up to Marion's waitlist, please do so at Marion.Asia. And don't miss out on a chance to win an iPhone 13. Stay tuned for our next episode. Have a great weekend and a great week ahead.